welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. I I am really just in the presence of greatness right now because <laughs> you are. We found out last week that, that you genius. are a genius. Yeah. You are the world's smartest individual, and you should be playing football at the next level. I never. Why. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I am. I mean, I appreciate that. Uh, we in in honor of the NFL Combine. We we're gonna do a combine, and you're gonna you're gonna have sweet sweet revenge from the athletic portion of it. However, the academic and intelligence portion of it. I got a 47 on the Wonderlick, y'all. 47. I'm, I'm amazed to the point of, like, I need to see you take this in front of me. Yeah, I should have filmed myself doing it. I knew I should have filmed myself doing it. You I've taken it before, though. When I when I worked at Houston's, they make you take that as a part of the application process. And I was like, the Wonderlick? Really? Like, what? And I remember my boss, who's, like, kind of a jerk, told me I got a 15. And I was like, What? And I freaked out, and I remember like saying something about it to our like our HR department. She was like, "You got a 36. What are you talking about? You got a 15." And so I got to see my score. But I, apparently, I've gotten smarter. That's what You're Bud Light smart. and Texas people do for you: brain food, bro. Brain food. Very, very smart individual. Apparently, I only got a 32, so I guess that's I'm good not though. That smart. 32 is pretty decent. I could have yeah. done better. I could have done better. Um, we will tentatively speaking, we're going to plan a combine to do between us, even though it's not going to be timely whatsoever. No. Uh, even though the time, the combine, as we sit here today, is wrapping up right now in Indianapolis, we have plenty of combine talk to get to. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about some spring football storylines. We've got future us is going to know if this is going to happen, yep. but. We are scheduled to talk with our good friend, Peter Burns, the man, the myth, the legend. So that will be a lot of fun. We've got fourth and wrong as usual. But before we do that, SEC basketball is on fire currently still as we head into March. uh, We know that our good friends over at Ticket City, they are going to hook you up with all things SEC basketball. They are your place to go if you're trying to get those SEC basketball tickets. Uh, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, Tennessee just... Just demolished Kentucky. Wow. It was ugly. Uh, apparently, tickets were really, really hard to come by. Fans yeah. were, were camping out for that. They were place was completely packed a half hour before the game. Just an awesome atmosphere. So if you are trying to get some tickets on the secondary market, Ticket City is the place to go. I saw for the SEC tournament, they have $15 tickets. From last I saw. I'm just saying. Now if you're looking go, at Go ahead and request some of those. Yeah, uh, if you're looking into getting some tickets, you should definitely do so right now. Get on that because those are going to be going fast. Um, SEC basketball tournament is, geez, it's by the time you're listening to this, which is probably going to be on Tuesday, I would assume it's going to be eight days away. That's crazy. That's nuts. There's, I, I saw earlier. Happened. There's already there's already some uh, some tournaments. Oh, the like the A Sun or something like that is in in the quarterfinals. Yeah, a lot of the the mid-majors do it all like a week early. It's kind of weird. Then they have like a two-week break before the NCAA tournament. It's almost like a a two-and-a-half-week break. It's essentially bowl season is what they do. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, But, yes, make sure that you are getting all of your SEC basketball tickets on TicketCity.com. NFL Combine, it came and went, and there were some very, very noteworthy things. Some big, big big-time performances. And I know you could say that pretty much every year, but this year it just felt like there were a few – that maybe in this internet age, we just think about them a little bit differently, but just things that, that went viral and, and things that just kind of make you step back and reevaluate your, yeah. your thinking about, about certain things. I want to start with DK Metcalf. Because in my opinion, he was the star of the combine. The Ole Miss receiver was unbelievable. 228 pounds. He runs a 4-3-3-40, benches <laughs> 27 reps. 
broad jumps 11-2. I, I mean, I, I think there were people who, who thought he was going to be the first receiver taken in the draft, and, and after what he did in Indianapolis, you've got guys like Mel Kuyper and Matt Miller saying that this guy looks like he's going to be the first receiver off the board, a, a likely top 10 pick. But he is now more of an enigma than ever. It's, dude, it is. It's unbelievable. Is he going to be drafted, or is he going to end up becoming an Avenger? Because he is a monster of a person. Like, like we saw the pictures leading up to it, but it was like every day of the combine. Usually it's like, okay, there's each day. Like today was a cornerback since we're recording this on a Monday. And each day they have something. It's like the, the kind of like hoopla and lore and like fandom that goes along with it kind of dissipates and goes on to the next day where it's like, all right, you know, now we have defensive linemen and they do something crazy. Every day he was there, it seemed like at the Combine, something stupid happened. It was like, DJ Metcalf showed up and his body fat was 1.6%. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it was what? And it was like, DJ Metcalf benched two, uh, 225 27 times. And then he shows up the next day, and at any point, he could have just shut it down. Like, he, yep. like when he did the 40.5-inch vert, that was enough for me. He, then he like did 11-2 broad jump, you're like, what in the world? And then he runs a 4-3-3, and you're like, everything he did was ridiculous, except for a few things. Yeah, so we're, we're going to get to that in, in a second here. Um, on the, A lot of people were talking about the 1.6% body fat. And when I heard that, I was first like, okay, how, how, real, how real is that? Um, is, is that possible? Um, Ole Miss did, okay, so sick brag here. I tweeted out the picture that, that went viral the other day, and it was right after, uh, I think it was right after he did uh, the bench. So it was even yeah. before he did the 40 and all that stuff. And then I tweeted out like, oh, like fun facts about DK Metcalf. And then the, you know, the thing that I always talk about how he wants to open his own restaurant called Cheesy Goodness, where right. cheese is king and put it on everything, which is ironically, very ironic for somebody with 1.6% body fat. But Ole Miss retweeted that. And I, and I had in my tweet, and I didn't like tag Ole Miss or anything like that. So sick brag for me. Um, <laughs> so they retweeted the 1.6% body fat thing. So Ole Miss is, this is not news to them. No. So for all the people saying like, oh, that's impossible. He's on steroids, dude. Like they do testing like that all the time. So whatever, that's that's beside the point. The thing that everybody is going to want to figure out now is, is he worth this, maybe maybe even a top five pick? And so everybody is, is, is kind of breaking, breaking him down. And I can go both ways on this, right? Because you look at the college production, and there are obvious red flags there. Yeah. Somebody who never had a 700-yard season, it, which in that offense just seems kind of amazing because they throw the ball all the yeah. time, and you're like, why? Why now is he also the college splitting there? splitting a lot of that with two other legit receivers? But a- absolutely yeah. <laughs> three, really. I mean, yeah. if you want to include Demarcus Lodge in that conversation as well, um, you could really look at that college production and say, yep, he's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, and, and there are some people who are going to do that who have already dismissed him and say, stay far, far away. He's a workout warrior. Right. Like, this, this is all he is. I get that. And you bring up the point, too, uh, and the people that are going to say he's not worth the top 10 pick are going to point to what he did in the three-cone drill Oof. and the 20-yard shuttle. And his numbers there were terrible. Essentially, it okay. was, if you ask him to move laterally, um, that's a bad idea. Okay, so, and I want to point this out real quick. And this is, this to put this in, in like, comparison. So his numbers for the three-cone drill, I believe, were 7.38, and the shuttle was a 4.5 or something like that. Or 4, like, it was, like, something like that. It was worse by over a tenth of a second in each than Tom Brady's. And I can tell you for a fact, 
My 20-yard shuttle when I was in college was like a 419 or a 414 or something like that. It was like pretty good. Like I, it was sick but, brag. But, but like, I'm not a better athlete than DK Metcalf, obviously. But it's it was concerning that he was like slower than Tom Brady is not something that's good. And what's weird is like if you saw this chart, I'm not sure if you saw this chart that Matt Miller uh, tweeted, and I think Gil Brandt did yep. the same thing. And it was basically this like circular chart, almost like a pie chart, and it shows like what percentile you're in for each different combine testing uh, result. And he was in like the 95th or above you know percentile in everything that we talked about, the broad jump, the vertical, the 40. He was in the third percentile, the third percentile of what of uh, the the three cone drill and um, among receivers, yeah, yeah, among receivers, of the right. twenty yard shuttle. But it was yeah. it was. I mean, you know who you know who broke under a seven second uh, three cone drill? Quinn and Williams, Hunter Renfro, our guy. That's our guy. So there there are obvious knocks against DK Metcalf, and I understand like anybody that's going to be picking him in the top ten, it, it's. It is a risk, and they're, they're, it's absolutely yeah. a roll of the dice. There's there's no question in my mind. The the pushback that I would say on that, he essentially had half of his college career thrown away. Right. He was injured. With, he broke his foot his freshman year after playing two games, his, two catches his freshman year with both yeah. touchdowns, and then he you know had the neck injury this past year that ended his season, and so you're looking at a guy that essentially has one and a half years of college ball and receiver is is a position that let's be honest i mean you need time you need those reps to develop as a route runner and that is his biggest issue right now is he just doesn't have those those reps as a route runner having said that the physical metrics of if it's it's almost like if it like accuracy for a quarterback and how some people think that oh if you can teach accuracy to a certain guy then the, you know because they have such a great arm then yeah. you you've really got something if you are going to roll the dice on somebody that is that physically gifted it's not the worst thing in the world and yes i understand his numbers from a per game standpoint weren't what they should have been right. because he's limited as a receiver he can make the spectacular catches catches but is he a move the chains guy not yet and right. if you're drafting a guy that high obviously you want him to be but the work ethic is there. The genetics Dude. are there. It's okay. unbelievable. When you say work ethic, this is what was more impressive to me than anything else that we saw. As someone that's trying to lose weight, when you talk about, I don't know if you heard this, but so he got injured last year. He's been working out for the Combine for basically the last five months. A lot like Nick Bosa, which we will also talk about. Yeah, we will. So he, he said during that span on his diet, he had one cheat meal the whole time. During that entire five months, and it was one Krispy Kreme donut. People that- need to know with with somebody like DK Metcalf how seriously he takes this. Obviously, he's the son of former Ole Miss All American Terrence Metcalf. Right. He's been this dude has been bench pressing hundred pounds since since before he went into first to, grade. I think, yeah, first grade. He's been doing push ups and sit ups with with his dad since he was five. I mean, like this dude takes it seriously. This right. is not somebody that, oh yeah, like he's just kind of he's really blessed and he got into really good shape before the combine. Like this is somebody who's been doing this forever. All yeah, the he's ch- all the character, I mean, yeah, yeah, character work ethic. He checks all of those all boxes. Of so that's that's the thing that he is working for him in his favor. And obviously he is limited to a certain extent. Right. I'm not saying that you need to be as crafty as Antonio Brown or Julian Edelman right. to be able to make it at the next level. But obviously you need to see more out of him there. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much this production talk 
factors into the conversation about him because everybody knows him now. People yeah. that didn't know him before, they absolutely know him now. And one more thing that I want to just add in here because this is going to this is going to be brought up by somebody, so I may as well be the one to bring it up. In terms of top ten receivers, guys that have been drafted in the top ten um, since 2011, every single one of them has had at least one thousand yard right. receiver receive, receiving season in college. Uh, the last one who didn't was AJ Green. <laughs> Which is, Which makes is no amazing. Makes, it makes like, no sense. That team, 2008 Georgia, is, it still blows my mind. He had no Sean Moreno, Matt Stafford, and A.J. Green. It's just crazy. But, I mean, and that's a really good stat, Connor. Like, that's that's crazy. And I, I think the one thing for me with, with the, the D.K. Metcalf, like, this weekend that was coolest for me, and you brought it up here at the end of our notes, is when you look at a kid like this, like, especially in, I've said this before, we live in such a, like, a, a hater society. And like a, a, just social media is just constant, constant hate, trash talk, all this kind of stuff for the most part. And as soon as this kid shows up and was like, he's on steroids, dude. He's on steroids. I, I doubt he was on steroids. They definitely will test him. They definitely probably already have yeah, tested him. You think him. this guy's just Ridiculous. slipping through the system? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he just shows up built like Iron Man. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, by the right. way, this is good. He's good. Like, we're we're going to test Hunter Renfro instead. But regardless, <laughs> it was it was amazing to see. And like I, I teared up watching his reaction and Devin White's reaction because it was so cool to see these kids. And obviously, I pulled for the SEC kids more so than other teams or kids across the country. But it was so cool to see kids like this who have worked their butt off and have like gone gone through, I don't want to say like so much, but like this kid coming up with the injury and stuff like that. This kid obviously put in so much hard work and then it paid off, man. It was really cool to see that. It was really cool to see that. You know who was on the other <laughs> end of that phone call with Devin White? Krispy Kreme right? Donuts. I said no. Devin White. <laughs> oh, yeah, Devin White. Probably Daisy May. Yeah, it was Daisy May, definitely on the other end. Devin White tells Daisy May, his beloved horse, hey, I just ran a 4-4-2. What do you got? Did you see that just coming? Uh, I didn't think he would. I thought he would run really fast. I didn't think he'd run that fast. That's really, really good. So, like, in the beginning of the season, I remember I'm making a comment about this, and his arms were, like, his arms are huge. Like, he, he has massive arms, and he's, <clears throat> excuse me, he's built, like, you know, a big, stout middle linebacker. And you, you see, it, like, game speed, especially. He, he's a sideline to sideline guy, so I knew he was fast. But 4 4 2, I didn't know he was that fast. That's what Odell Beckham ran. It wasn't yeah. like Zeke ran 4 4 7. Right. I mean, That's what Julio ran was a 4 4 2, or in Cooper, same thing. It's unbelievable what some of these guys at their size are. <coughs> and we're going to get to. Oh, you're really yeah, getting sorry, guys. backed up here. Um, we're going to get to this a, a little bit later with Montez Sweat, but. Um, a physical freak that that I want to talk about because I don't want you to get this twisted. Like I am super super impressed with Quinn Williams. Me and, and Connor got into a fight yesterday about Quinn Williams and Nick Bosa. I'll just say. it wasn't. It really wasn't about Quinn Williams for me. It was more about about Nick Bosa because you were just basically saying like Nick Bosa had five months to prepare for the he combine did. and this is what he looks like. You see what what it was. No, what it was about for you was being right, and you were upset about me me trashing Nick Bosa because I said one thing that was an accurate accurate statement. He ran a four eight four unofficial forty. I didn't say unofficial. That's where so I messed it was inaccurate. Up. No, he just ran the forty and he ran a four eight four. I know, but it wasn't official. That's that's right. That so, but if I'm live tweeting it, which is my job, and I say four eight four, you freaked out about him. No, 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 no. You, you didn't provide all the context. So go ahead. You had said that Quinn and Quinn and Williams had just run this time, and then you used that in your argument to say, nope. Somebody commented and said, he's, he's that's the same as Quinn. And I said Quinn ran a four eight three. That's all I said. I wasn't arguing about who was faster. I just responded with four eight three. I replied the question. 
I was impressed with both of those guys did to be to be 100% honest because it, it does kind of get you know we we've now seen the the defensive line position develop so much over Dude. the years it's unreal and what Bosa did you know there are people who are going to look at that and be like well you know Montez Sweat ran a 441 and Quinton Williams weighs 300 pounds and he ran a 483 like he ran a 487 and then, then, then like his agent flat out told him do not run right. a second 40 and he was like no I, I'm good like I mean that's <laughs> That was nuts. It, like, but like, ugh, man, this defensive line class. We talked about this the other day. I talked about the tight ends. The defensive line class. I don't think I've ever seen a defensive line class this deep. It's this unbelievable. Is crazy. I mean, this like Dexter Lawrence from Clemson ran a five oh five, and then just you know he injured himself sadly. But like, he's three hundred and forty two pounds. <laughs> Any other draft, and I feel like guys like Dexter Lawrence and Ed Oliver would be the talk of it, and they're kind of like just lost in the shuffle a little Dude, bit. Buried Ed Oliver's down. draft stock is is continuously like gone on like a decline. He had a thirty six inch vert. <laughs> like he he was talked about as being the number one overall pick. I mean, and it's all it's 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 cool to see because it's like, you know what you know what was pretty awesome. You talk about the Montez Sweat thing. We'll talk more about it in a second. And Quinn Williams and guys like Josh Allen. Some of the best players in the country obviously have come from the SEC, and they were on display yesterday on Sunday, and they all looked really good. The world didn't even get to see Jeffrey Simmons because he's injured. That's true. That's, that's a good crazy. Point. I mean, he, that's a top fifteen pick. Like, man, this. I mean, this class is so deep. Let's talk about his teammate because what Montez Sweat did was you, you, you can't really say enough about it. To run a four four one as a defensive lineman. Is it's unprecedented. I mean, he set the record, the modern era record for a defensive lineman in the forty. He would have been the fifth fastest cornerback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Oh my God. I, I put a side by side of him and Boykin for Notre Dame, and, and Boykin had an incredible combine. But it was just one of those things. Like, I'm not taking anything away from Boykin, but like Montez Sweat is a defensive lineman who weighs 260 pounds, and he ran. 0.01 seconds faster than a receiver from a premier like premier university that made the playoffs. Like you know, and that's maybe apples and oranges, but Sweat running a 4-4-140. Like, I mean, you saw yesterday, like Quinn Williams had the fourth fastest time of any person over 300 pounds since 2003. Devin White had the third fastest time of any linebacker since 2003, and Montez Sweat had a combined record for any defensive lineman at a 4-4-1 and modern combine record. And that, that's just nuts. It really is, and and a lot of it is probably you know the specialized training, and there's just yeah. more of a priority towards this and all that stuff. But you know, I, I think Montez Sweat, as I've been saying, as I've said repeatedly on yeah. this podcast, if he was wearing a Bama uniform, there'd be no doubt that he, this guy'd be a top ten pick. He might be me, number one overall. I, I don't know if he'd be quite that level, right. um, just because there are some questions about. I've seen questions about you know not to get all draft. Twitter because draft Twitter is kind of the worst, but yeah. questions about his bend and whether or not he's actually going to be able to get the same kind of leverage at the next level, which yeah. to me, it's like, all right, he's been doing this against SEC offensive tackles for the past two years, and he was as, as consistent as anyone. But Dude, if, you, if you're at Bama and you had double-digit sacks two years in a row and you follow that up with a combine like this, I mean, good Oof. God. Yeah, he's going to be making himself some money, no doubt about it, but uh, his, his teammate... Nick Fitzgerald. This was an interesting little little wrinkle that came out of the combine, and maybe you could have seen this coming. But Nick Fitzgerald was asked to work out at tight end, and I didn't see tight end coming. I didn't see that coming either. I saw maybe a different position. Maybe if you want halfback or I don't yeah. know fullback. Like he's he's got the size, but I don't <laughs> so know what, what, what do you want to call he, it. But what did he weigh? Probably around two thirty. Yeah, like two. I think I think he was right around two thirty. I, I mean, because be he ran a four six three. I think it was a four six six, four six five, something like that. I think it was four six three. Yeah, I mean he was moving moving pretty well, but like, yeah. the, to me, 
when I look at this and I try and figure out why are teams doing this, because Fitzgerald wasn't the only guy, wasn't right. even the only quarterback asked to play another position. Trace McSorley <laughs> was asked to play defensive back, which he hasn't played since high school, and that's right. what people thought he was going to maybe be at, at, in college, and obviously he proved all of those theories wrong. Right. But it blows me away that teams are still trying to do this. I'm not even saying that Nick Fitzgerald is like going to be an NFL quarterback or something like that. But like, I, I mean, I, I see him as maybe a guy that you stick – on the end of your bench, and you hope that in this modern era where RPOs are such a popular thing that he's a guy that can really help you out from a scout team perspective or something like that. But it just kind of amazes me that we think, all right, you know what? The accuracy, it just wasn't there in college. So let's – you're big, you're physical. Yeah, nobody's denying that. Let's see what you got at tight end. And it's like that's a way different position. Not even close. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. But, like, when you look at it, to an extent, it's it's something where they're like, all right, this kid is obviously athletic enough to where he's been successful and had a good career in college. He's not accurate enough to play quarterback in the NFL. He, I mean, he was barely accurate enough to play quarterback in the SEC. I, like, I mean, from a from a pure passing standpoint. Right, but, but I think his role is just that, though, is is being a depth guy that can that has familiarity with with these RPOs that are yeah. becoming so popular in the NFL, and I think there's a place for him in that. There's value in that, yeah. and I think that if you just say, uh, "Just go play tight end for us," like, what, why, like, why, why do you need to do that? To me, well, that doesn't also, make yeah, as much that's sense. That's a good point because, like, if, I mean, if you're if you're starting your NFL career as a in a position you've never played, <laughs> like, that's pretty tough to do. It's like, I mean. You remember when Dexter Fowler came out uh, in high school? I remember he started switch hitting in minor league baseball, and I was like, "What? You're in a constant job interview right now, and you're learning how to hit left-handed." Like, it obviously worked out for him, but I mean, like, it God doesn't bless happen Dexter a lot. Fowler. <laughs> I love me some Dexter Fowler. Milton High School um, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that's and that's the other thing is that this this just rarely, very rarely works out with quarterbacks. Everybody's looking for the next Julian Edelman, but you know, we saw it with Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller, by the way lit up the combine a couple years ago and he's already on a new team because yeah. he, ha- he hasn't been able to crack the rotation in Houston and then Tenard Robinson sad, by the way sad Oof. yeah kind of a weird story with Preston him and the way that that's, was, that's was developed like, he was a two-time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year that's, yeah I mean he was the real deal and then yeah. the Ohio State quarterback room got really crowded <laughs> and he crazy. essentially moved to another position but yeah so and then another guy Denard Robinson shoelace what was he doing this past weekend he winning was, games Helping our guy Aaron Murray win games. That's, you know, that's what he's doing. And I doing. just want to give one shout out real quick. Against all of his efforts to try and and just thwart a victory for Atlanta, Kevin Coyle still somehow managed to win this game because Matt Sims got injured, Aaron Murray came in, and Atlanta legends are on the board. Got to win. The Aaron Murray era is here. He killed it, man. Like there was there was I thought that was gonna finally be like yes, like finally. And because I woke up from a nap, and he was in the game, and I was like, "Oh, good, he's he's actually started." And then I found out it was just because Sims got injured, and I was initially excited, and then I I think I had the same reaction a lot of people had. They were still angry that it was like, "Why are you not starting him the whole time?" Anyway, Been I saying this since day one, man. Yeah, day one. Um, not everybody had a banner weekend. Uh, a couple man. guys in Indianapolis did did not did not get the best headlines. Uh, maybe the the toughest weekend for anybody was Jakai Polite. Um, not only was Ja'Kai Polite not very impressive in his workouts or what he did do, and then he shut it down because um, he, he ran a 4.84.40. By the way, Quentin Williams ran a faster 40 than Ja'Kai Polite. That's probably not Unofficially. Good. Uh, officially <laughs> as well. Um, so Ja'Kai Polite, um, he apparently like stops his workout because he has this hamstring injury, and I put that in air quotes because apparently 
Matt Miller said that he had a scout tell tell him that uh, Polite's hamstring injury was BS. Um, I, I'm not going to speculate on that, but apparently team interviews went really poorly, and yep. Matt Miller said he had five different scouts texting him about that. That's usually a bad sign. If it's one person saying that, maybe there's some jockeying for draft position, and they would just want him to fall or something like that. But when five different dudes are telling you that, yeah, that's well, it's not also great. it's it's a, I don't want to put too much stock in the fact that he had one good season, but. Maybe it says something like, you know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But it says something where he, he only had this one season. And, you know, I thought I thought CC Jefferson had a worse weekend than him. I mean, he just continues to be unimpressive. Yeah, I that mean, story's it, weird. It really, really is. He, you're talking about a five-star kid that was like, you, you kind of like very highly ranked. kind of thought it was like a can't-miss prospect. You look at some of these numbers from this weekend. They put him at edge instead of D. Lyman, which I thought was kind of odd. And he ran a 5.02 and it had a broad jump of nine feet. But, yeah, there was – he had a bad weekend. Polite had a bad weekend. And, and, again, when I say, like, maybe you put too much stock in it, maybe you don't, Quentin Williams was redshirted two years ago. Like, think about that. Like, he was a redshirt freshman, and now he could possibly be the number one overall pick in the draft. It's, that's nuts. But, yeah, those two guys, and like you have here in the notes, I mean, Mac Wilson should have stayed, Wilson man. Had, Mac Wilson had an interesting, um, an interesting weekend because he admitted he's had people ask him about his social media usage and you I know he's social media. That's probably the best thing he did all weekend. We can call him uh, what's the best word? We can call him very prolific on social media. Mm-hmm. We'll just say that. Um, but apparently, he also had some shaky, some shaky interviews, and he couldn't really do do anything because of the hamstring injury. Right. And it's like. Man, these are a lot of questions to be asking about somebody who is kind of considered a borderline first first round pick, and we've seen guys like this fall with less potential issues. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he is that this weekend means that he's not going to be a first round pick, but he's not somebody that's trending in the right direction coming out of no. Indianapolis. And like in a, in different when you had other guys like because he's going to play middle linebacker, and you we have other guys like the two Devons, man, Devin White, Devin Bush, who just absolutely kill it. And you put him in there, and, and like this, the stuff you do participate in, like the vertical jump, you still don't stand out in that. I like, I just wonder why you why you participate at all. You know what I mean? Like the interviews I get showing up and, and doing the measurables and all that kind of stuff. But if you know, I mean, like it's not like these guys don't know what their numbers are going to be. It's not like you're just going to be like, you know what? I might pop off this weekend. I might get over ten six in the broad jump and, and really like you know, like light it up. You know about what you're going to jump and. When you go under 10 feet and you barely get over 30 inches, and it just wasn't that great of a weekend for him. It was not. Some guys do that. Some yeah. guys are able to recognize that. But I think others, it's just being a competitor. It's wanting yeah. to, to test and show that, hey, maybe I can overcome whatever's been holding me back during the pre-draft process and I can put together a good weekend. But <laughs> You know what, dude? I've only, I've only been able to jump like around 29 inches. I might just really pop off this weekend. I'm going to get 32. Like, What if that was like his best? Like, What if like that is... That is like the, the the best he could have done. Like it was a good weekend, I guess, for him to do it, but it still wasn't impressive. I need to get a thirty inch vertical now, more so than <laughs> ever, because <laughs> I saw I saw that Quinton Williams got better than a thirty inch vertical. I couldn't believe you said pounds. that. Like like if you got a twenty eight inch vertical, Connor, because so little pill behind the end on this. We talked about doing the combine, and Connor was like, I can get a thirty inch vertical, and I was like, dude, on a good day, on a good day, and I was like, I don't. That's a that's a pretty strong vert man like that's that's a pretty like for for what we do we're not like i mean you're obviously in better shape but like it you know i i think i think you're a good athlete i don't know if you can get 30 inches that's a lot of inches that's what she said Ooh, got him (laughs) probably shouldn't have said that um anyways let's let's transition to sec football um the guys that are going to be back next year 
Spring football is upon us. That's what yep. March means, right? It doesn't yep. mean basketball. It means spring football. That's no, right. actually, February kind of means spring football now because of the way the calendar Arizona works. State already had their spring game. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I saw that. I was like, that's a typo, right? You tell me global warming ain't real, y'all. Come on now. Herm Edwards has clearly not mastered master the, the college football no, calendar not yet. No, Early March uh, so, special. Somebody tell Herm that games are on Saturdays. No, that... <laughs> He proved us wrong with that that whole thing. But, yeah, that's true. Um, some storylines that I'm looking forward to that I, I'm really excited to see some of the developments with, and I think that we actually will have developments with. Yeah. Number one being the Auburn quarterback battle. I am fascinated to see what Gus Malzahn does because he could be in a situation by the end of spring, he has his starter, it's obvious, maybe it's Malik Willis, maybe even Bo Nix comes in there, yeah. really impressive. I I highly doubt a true freshman is going to come in and have the starting job won by the end of spring camp because might be a coaches, idea, don't, though. coaches don't do that, though, and yeah, with, with transferring and all that stuff. Um, so there's that possibility. And then there's the possibility that Gus Malzahn says at the end of spring, does a little bit of like what Coach O did last year where he says, you know what, I don't really like my situation right now at quarterback. I'm going to go out and get a grad transfer. Yeah. We know that he was very active on the grad transfer market, and maybe he goes out and, and tries to make a move to bring in another quarterback. There are a lot of different things that can happen with this whole thing. I'd be very surprised if all four of these guys, Bo Nix, Malik Willis, Joey Gatewood, Cord Sandberg, are on that opening day roster. I'll say that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and what I should have said was, maybe when I said maybe it's a good idea, um, the stuff with Bo Nix, like, maybe you hit your wagon to him, like, at the end of fall practice. Because, as we know, it seems like every offseason, you know, our man Gus Malzahn seems to end up on that hot seat. Musical chairs at the end of the season just always end up in a very poor situation for him. Maybe if he hooks his wagon up to a freshman... You can kind of play that card of like you know I'm playing the long run here. I, I mean I don't know. Also I, I, I do know. think I do think Bo Bo Nix is the perfect pro, like I mean from everything I've seen like on the tape in high school and all kind of stuff he seems like the perfect fit at at quarterback for what Gus is trying to do. But we'll we'll wait and see because he is I mean what, he's 18 years old. Yeah, the spring game definitely nobody's gonna freak out about. No, nope. <laughs> it's gonna be now. awesome. Yeah, it, it'll be uh, very interesting. Um, and, but the other thing though too, and I want to throw this in there real quick. The, the thing about starting a true freshman quarterback, though, is that you kind of have to deal with the good. you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. And I don't know if Gus is in a season where he wants to take any sort of bad. Also and if true. he sees that somebody like Malik Willis has the, has the higher floor to be able to execute a system, he might decide. And they're opening up with Oregon, too. It's not like they get to exactly. ease into the situation like going into the season. Very true. Um, another thing that I cannot get enough of this spring. Oh, man. Barry Odom. His us against the world. Big old middle finger to the NCAA. Yes. I love it. I am here for it. I, I need this version of Barry Odom for all of 2019, for, for really eternity. Yeah. Um, he could be at Mizzou forever and doing this stuff where he's calling out other SEC coaches. He's basically turned this – he has kind of turned this whole thing into WWE. Rise war. <laughs> I, I'm, hey, you know what? I am so okay with coaches doing that. And now we find out that Mizzou has this really pretty much an open-door media policy to yeah. where they're going to allow media members to watch all of spring camp. And this is going to be a, a situation where he, he gets the forum to talk whatever yeah. he wants, and he's going to say some stuff. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm excited for this too. It, especially, like, what's a good word for you? I don't want to say puppet, but, like, it's going to be fun to see Kelly Bryant kind of. Like, I, I just when you say the, the WWE thing, all I can think of this entire time is Barry Odom, Kelly Bryant, just riding side by side, and he's like the best, the best tag team championship duo I think the SEC is going to see this year. They, I think I really think they're going to have an incredible year. Whoa! I mean, like, ten wins. What? How, how incredible, Marlon? Like what are nine, you nine, ten wins. 
Nine, ten wins. All right, so like one less than, or one more than they had last year. Right. I mean, or two, either way. Or two. I mean, I don't want to get on a train here, or I don't want to get on a, you know, a hype train here and say they're going to win ten games, because I've seen how it's played out in the past for you and Mississippi State. So I'm not going to say whoa, it yet. I'm not going to say it yet. Way too soon. Way too soon. <laughs> Another storyline. Really looking forward to this Rich Rod experiment in Oxford. I think it is really an experiment. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote this in the story that will come out uh, on SDS on Tuesday, and that I think we're going to have the average fan, not us, because you know people who are listening to this are probably diehards, but the average fan I think is going to flip on that Alabama game in late September and they're going to see Rich Rod calling plays on the sideline. They're going to be like, wait a minute, wait. Yeah. That's that's the same Rich Rodriguez? Like, when did that happen? Yeah. Um, it, it just kind of feels like the way that that story has been treated in the offseason, probably because of the fact that Ole Miss was coming off this five-win season, didn't get to play in, in the right. postseason the last two years, obviously. But Rich Rod in this dynamic with Matt Luke, where they run different offenses. I yeah. Mean, let's, let's make no mistake about it. Very rarely does a head coach at a Power 5 school bring in somebody as, his, as a coordinator who has – Two decades worth of Power Five head coaching experience. Head coaching, yeah, and has barely missed out on the national championship at least once. <laughs> like he he's had some good he's had some good seasons, good stretches, and he's obviously had a lot of talents. Like you know, at some of the stops he's been at. I think one thing that's interesting about this, especially with the Ole Miss side of it, is, and and I didn't really think about it that much, just because not in a rude way for Ole Miss fans, but you know, this season was kind of a disappointment. It was it was not a great season for him. But the app, not dis. Uh, maybe disdain is too harsh of a word, but, you know, the disdain that these people, these fans had for Phil Longo, I didn't realize until, you know, this weekend at the Combine, because it's like, man, you had three receivers that, that on on paper and on, you know, at the Combine, this Underwear Olympics thing, look like they are absolute standouts and studs, and you weren't able to produce that much with them. It just, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Rich Rod can do. I think Wesley McGriff has a little something to do with that, too. No yeah, offense, I but. definitely agree. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, the Ryan Helinski hype train. I don't know if you saw this the other day, but Choo-choo. we are already at that point where we get like the little somebody taking a video on their computer of footage that they got from South Carolina practice with Ryan Helinski like throwing, throwing a dime. Oh, my God. Uh, we're, we're already at that point, so I'm, I'm here for that. The very highly touted uh, true freshman quarterback at South Carolina, the blue chip uh, Bo Nix, he and Bo Nix are kind of being billed as the quarterbacks of the future in the SEC. Right. We've seen how that has turned out in years past with yeah. calling somebody the quarterback of the future in the SEC, Justin Fields. Um, but I'm excited for it because I don't think that Will Muschamp is going to turn his back on Jake Bentley now. No. Um, now that he's it, a 19-year-old senior, there's no way. But with every one of these clips that goes viral, semi-viral, something like that, the discussion at least gets a little bit more interesting. And Ole Miss fans, or not Ole Miss fans, South Carolina fans rather, get a little bit closer to feeling like, all right, you know what? Dude, this yeah. isn't This isn't Michael Scarn. This could be the real deal. Right. So, and I, I actually, so I was, I was out for, uh, I want to say dinner, but it was uh, some drinks with a good friend of mine. Um, Wait, why are you ashamed by that? What's, what's I mean, wrong I'm, with that? I'm not ashamed by that. I don't, don't want to call him that. It was my buddy Robert. Um, great guy. He's uh, like the director over at the Cultural Hall of Fame. He's a big Carolina fan. Listens to the pot, all that kind of stuff. And we just went out and, and just were chopping up and talking about different stuff in the SEC. And he's been a big Carolina fan his whole life. And, you know, like my family lives there. And he had one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. He said, the thing about being a South Carolina fan is, like, it's like being poor your whole life. And then somehow, every once in a while, you hit the lottery. Like, you hit a, you hit a scratch off for something. It's like, you have to talk about these, like, five, six years where they're, like, extremely good. I mean, Helensky, 
they they Carolina fans have just been waiting. And you kind of thought it was going to be Jake Bentley. But if you th- – because they've put a lot of stock in those quarterbacks, man. I mean, Connor uh, – what's his name? Who's Connor it? Mitch? No. No. Who was the quarterback they had a while ago? It was like Steven Garcia, and then it was Connor uh, – I can Connor Shaw. Yeah, Connor Shaw. And, and they've had these guys that are kind of like these gritty – and I hate to use that word, but kind of like gritty, like – you know, what do you say, Marlon? What do you above say? average, above average, white, just above average um, quarterbacks. You know, above average game managers. This is the first time in a long time they've had somebody that's a legit offensive weapon coming out of high school since probably Lattimore. Yeah, to carry on Joiners, uh, we're kind of you know waiting to see what's going to happen with him. Was considered you know a very highly touted guy as well in his own right, and he's kind of the guy the that like might this, be lost though? in the shuffle. No, not the hype like yeah. this. Not saying that, but you know, four star guy who last year everybody was talking about was right. raving about it around uh, around spring camp. So uh, the Ryan Holinsky hype train off and running. It's been off and running for a while. But yeah. um, the the last thing I want to get to Georgia and Alabama fans watching Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you this, nailed this one. This whole like, it, it's it's like watching an ex, it, yeah. and you're happily married and you're doing well, but you don't want to see your ex also. It, it's like in, in the office when um when when he Jim and Pam, oh. Jim and Pam are you know like season nine whatever that was. Jim and Pam are you know they they have their second kid already, and then they go to Roy's wedding. Gonna have hot dogs like, there. They're like what? I doubt he has hot dogs. <laughs> I played with him. He had hot dogs. So essentially, that's my that's that's the best comparison I can make for how Alabama and Georgia fans are going to feel this spring with yeah. everything that those two do. No, I think that's that's pretty spot on because and like, man, man, that narrative and they're they're too different. They're totally different narratives because from the Georgia side of things, they're they're going to hope that Fields fails at everything he does just because they are as as much as they like Fromm and say they like Fromm on the social media side of it, they are pretty pretty jaded about what happened with Justin Fields. From the Bama side with Jalen Hurts, it is a weird, weird thing. These kids are just like, like these fans are just like, oh my God, we always love Jalen. I hope he does so well. I'm so, and like, I've, I've never seen more Bama fans retweet a workout video from another school than when Jalen Hurts squatted like 600 pounds. It's like, nearly. Good God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm looking forward to yeah. hearing about all that because the the comments in, in, in those tweets are just going to be great, and they're not going away. And it's going to be every everything they do during the spring that everything. that's noteworthy. I'm here for it. All right, let's go. Futurist is going to know if this is going to happen. We're supposed to talk to our good friend Peter Burns. So on the second half of this interview, we're going to know, or on the second half of this podcast, rather, we're going to know if we talk to Peter Burns. Yeah. But let's pretend like we did talk to Peter Burns. So here's our good friend, <laughs> Peter Burns. We're now excited to be joined by a very, very special guest. It is the SEC Network host, uh, the SEC Network host who doesn't have a restraining order on one of us. Uh, it is Peter Burns. Peter, I'm, I'm realizing now just I'm now trying to that... think. I'm trying to think which oh, SEC host has a restraining order, and I don't think it's I don't think it's Dari because like nobody just rolls it, but like, oh my God, you're Dari Noka. I don't think it's Laura Rutledge because none of y'all are that creepy. Uh, I you. guess it's you guys in in. Tebow, maybe? I'm not sure. I was just trying to figure out. <laughs> it's not okay. First off, it's not you guys. Um, it was. It's just okay. me, and it's with fine. Bob. Just you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, well, that, and that that doesn't strike me. Paul Paul's a little bit of a different cat. So yeah. All right. I, I should have guessed that. That should have been my first pick. That's fine. I'm glad you didn't. It would have made it feel way worse. 
<laughs> we're, we're abiding by uh, the restraining order. Um, we don't have that with you, so that's good. This is actually your third time on this podcast. You have a hat wow. trick with, with us, so uh, congratulations on your accomplishment. Is that like whenever, um, you know, Alec Baldwin would host the SNL and there's like, do I get like the, yes. um, remember Dude, there's the only a certain club. amount of guys that get the actual, you get the jacket and you get to sit in the, like the whole club with him and Steve Barton. I'm, I'm happy about that. Big deal. Yeah. PB, we didn't get you a robe for like being in like the three time club. Cause I thought, I think that's honestly, we might've mentioned at the fine bottom. That's how the whole, uh. So, I mean, I didn't didn't want to do that with you as well and just quit while I was ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I'll do anything for free stuff. So we're good. No no restraining order here. (laughs) That's that's a very good thing. That's a very good thing. We'll try and steer clear of of all things restraining restraining orders from SEC Network hosts. We are talking to you on the one-year anniversary of your SEC This Morning um, anniversary. Like the... You guys kicked this thing off a year ago, and we've, we've talked a lot about this on just some of the, the simulcast opportunities and stuff, and I know you've put a ton of blood, sweat, and tears into this. Marlon and I both listen, and you know I'm fortunate enough to be able to talk to you guys when everybody's waking up on Tuesday morning. Um, tell us who your favorite co-host is and why it's Chris Doring. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, you say that as, I, as I'm literally hanging out with Marcus Spears on Fortnite right now as we're, we're doing the podcast, so, so I won't tell him you said that, but... Um, honestly, I, I think the thing is, is like I told the guys whenever we first started the show, I was like, hey, man, I just want this to be fun. You know, like, I, I mean, we're surrounded by so much serious stuff every single day. Like, we everybody has issues in their life. And I'm like, let's just make this a blast. And so I looked at it, and I'm like, all right, you know, is this going to be fun for everybody, including ourselves? And so I, I hope, I mean, hell, I don't know if the show's any good. I, I just know that we have a fun time doing it. Um, and I think that's the most important thing because, listen, the sports is always going to talk. You know, the sports are always going to be there one way or another. You know, I mean, the, 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 the game and the box scores aren't going to change. It's how do we have fun in delivering that content? And I think Doring, you know, rolls with the punch as well. And, and frankly, so does uh, so did Spears whenever we were, we were doing the show together. I'm really glad you didn't say Cole because, you know, he kind of put me on the spot a couple of weeks ago and he made me name a bunch of Ja Rule songs at 7.30 in the morning. Um, I, I was under the impression that all Ja Rule songs were just the ones with Ashanti and that one that he did with J-Lo. So that, was, that really wasn't cool I, on his part. I was going to say, once you get past, like, the first three, like, Holla Holla and, you know, What's Love after that, if you can name other uh, songs from Ja Rule, then it's it's probably not a good thing for you. Like, I don't think that's a, yeah. a solid <laughs> a solid thing to have in your life. No, it's probably more of a problem. Hello, hello. Um, so piggybacking off that, PV, I, I, like, I know you've watched the Fire Festival documentary, and it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so the question is, which one was better, the Netflix or Hulu? And I, I know the answer already, so I hope you, you know it as well. And what other documentaries or Netflix shows are you trying to keep yourself busy watching since I know you're obviously not busy during football offseason. Uh, yeah, it's so funny because football really for us at the SEC Network is the slowest time of year, and I'm not making that up. Like Because yeah. you know, football time, we only have games on Saturdays, but right now it's basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics, you know, I mean, everything. So, you know, March March through June is arguably like some of our busiest times. We've got so much stuff going on. But I actually watched the Netflix one and enjoy. I watched that one first. And then I went back and watched the, what was it, Hulu one. And yeah. I like the Netflix one a little bit better. 
I don't know if I would have liked what? the Netflix one though had I watched the Hulu one before. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, that's I fair. felt like that's how I did it. I did not. Yeah, right. I did not know that the Netflix one was built by the guys that were part of the problem. You know, that were part of the marketing right. team that did it. So had I known that, I think I would have kind of prefaced it in a bad way, and I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. Peter, I want to talk a couple things uh, LSU with you because, you know, when you're not playing Fortnite with famous people or taking care of your baby or failing to get a hole-in-one, <laughs> that's, you know, that's what you do in your downtime. Um, this, this is a question that, that we've talked about on, on the podcast before, and I, I'm curious what your take is on this. How much is that Ordron going to get if and when that extension comes? Um, here's the deal. If I'm, if I'm Joe Oliva, have you ever had a situation in which you have more leverage over a person? I mean, like in, in, and I think Ogeron has done a fantastic job, right? But it, I mean, what are we thinking that, I mean, you reason, you, you pay somebody an extension for a couple of different reasons. One, they want to be happy. Uh, you want to take care of them and you have the money to do so. But a lot of times it's like, Hey, let's just make sure that person's not leaving us for another job. Right? Well, Kirby Smart at Georgia's not leaving for another job, right? I mean, Ed Ogeron, I mean, you would have to pry him, I, who knows where, you know, his, his, his hands off, the lifeless body off of LSU football because he loves it so much. <laughs> so for me, I'm just kind of like, I mean, I don't ever understand contract extensions. I, I understand them when it's a, like whenever you're, hey, you're, you know, Iowa State and Matt Campbell, you want to take care of them because you think you're building something you don't want to move. Or, you know, Western Kentucky and you're hoping your guy stays there for a little bit. But at one of the monster programs in which they, quote, say, this is my dream job, well, if that's going to be the case, then why do you necessarily need to give them an extension? And, I mean, I guess if you do, you pay him $5 million. I think he's making three and a half. But I think what has made LSU successful is they have said, let's take some of the money from Ozeron and stick it to and give it to Dave Aranda or right. or let's pay some more quality assistance. And I think that's that's the whole mantra that really helped Dabo Sweeney build something special at Clemson. And I think hopefully that's what they're doing down in Baton Rouge. So another just tough question involving a very important issue. And and I want to preface this by saying this, PB. I love the show. I listen almost every morning. It's one of the few things that get me out of bed and like actually excited about my day you guys do a great job you play <laughs> rap music before 8 a.m those are pretty much all the things i need so yesterday i kind of came at you a little bit hard and i and i apologize but kid rock got a hole in one and i know you're a prolific golfer golfer you've never made a hole in one i gotta know what celebrity would make you quit golf if they got a hole in one before you because kid rock's tough i gotta be honest with you i gotta be honest with you. it was pretty close to whenever um when Greg McElroy had one, uh, because like that, it's like it's like when Kid Rock has hits one, it doesn't hurt me. Like I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, that stinks that Kid probably has not dedicated half his life, you know, to playing golf like I have and played in college. So like, yeah, that stinks, but that doesn't affect me a lot. But like when my friends get one who are not that good at golf, that's the one that really hit me in my feel. So I was more upset whenever, you know, that happened with, with stupid face, um, you know, back or anyone. That's fair. I would say, I would say um, the one that would make me quit playing golf would be if Guy Fieri hits a hole in one. That's like, all right, I, I'm done. I'm just forget about it. Cause that's, you know, you know, that's, he's that's doing it with one of those visors, right? Like just annoying. Oh, God. I think that's, yeah. that's the one that would kill me with him, you know, Chris Angel mind freak for me. Just just to throw that out there. 
yeah, that's 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 a that's a good one because I just don't know how much he would actually play. That's true. Very good point. So I got to know this because we talked to to you last November, and it was before LSU Bama, and you were going to the game, and you were very realistic about what was. I mean, you didn't think that a shutout was going to happen, but you know, you were still not exactly sitting there, you know, predicting the upset, doing all that stuff. Have you talked yourself into believing that LSU can end the streak and beat Bama this year? Yeah, I mean, I do it every single year until I actually get to the game, and then I realize I'm like, <laughs> look at up there, just sideboards like Terminator Two, like there's no chance of this happening. Um, I mean, I think I think it has to happen eventually, right? Like, I, you know, you can't be. I'm starting to feel like you know Kentucky fans after remember that you know the whole deal against Florida for how long that 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 streak went away. Um, I think that that was just brutal for the longest time. I'm like, I just don't know how we're going to lose it. We're going to lose it. Um, I think it just has to happen where you have to have enough kids that just say, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to Bama. And I, I joked around about, <clears throat> you, you know, <clears throat> part of what made Nick Saban so good and even Howard Stellenberger when he was over at Miami is that when Saban first took over LSU, it's like, hey, listen, if you're you're in the state of Louisiana – you're not leaving. You're staying here in Louisiana. That's the reason why Marcus Spears and guys like that went. You know, they were so excited to do that. Um, and now, you know, if you have a recruiting trip on LSU Alabama weekend in Baton Rouge, all you've noticed is that the crowd gets crazy and then Alabama comes out and whoops you. Like, I'm like, want to honestly put together a, you know, a petition to say, let's stop having recruiting visits on LSU Alabama weekend. I'm just sick and tired of it because. I'm not a happy camper when it comes down to, oh, look, hey, this is another 20-point beatdown that, that Alabama put. Because guess what? That's one of the reasons that Saban uses to his guys is saying, hey, this is why you need to come to Alabama, you know, is because the, we're going to win this game every single year. And that, that, that hurts as an LSU fan. That's a really good point, too. And I, I haven't thought about it like that because you would assume biggest game, you know, you're, you're going to want to get those recruits in there. But obviously, it doesn't work so well when you're just letting them have a front row seat to a beatdown. And obviously, you don't want to have that happen if you're LSU. LSU basketball is sort of changing this conversation and having a year yeah. that not a lot of people anticipated. I actually said a couple weeks ago that LSU wasn't going to win a national title. Um, and then they proceeded by basically putting themselves in position to at least win a share of the SEC title. Tell me why I was premature in dismissing them and why they maybe could have Final Four national title buzz. Well, I, I think not a lot of people, everybody knew what, what Tremont Waters was going to bring, right? We had talked about him. Even Nas Reed was a great, it was a, a sizable name that people knew. But I don't think people understood the team mentality of Darius Days and, and Skylar Mays and Javon Smart. Like, a bunch of guys that no one really quote unquote knew about unless you really closely followed um, LSU basketball. So I think that's to me been the most impressive part about the whole situation is that, hey, even the Knights, I mean, Tremont Waters, you know, a couple of days ago, they beat Tennessee, and that was a situation in which they beat Tennessee. Tremont scored, what, no points because he missed the game, and then Nas Reed ended up, play, what, scoring one point, and they won. And that was all because you had a bunch of team players. And I, I think Will Wade has a certain kind of, you know, middle finger mentality to guys. Um, and I think that, that helped this LSU squad. Um, and I think they believed in themselves. So it's going to be crazy that, you know, if you would have told me as we sit here, um, you know, what in early March that LSU basketball would be ranked ahead of LSU baseball, I'd be like, 
Uh, that's nuts. That makes zero sense to me whatsoever. So we've never been to Mardi Gras. I've been to New Orleans. Um, as you know, I think I've told you before, I'm not allowed back in Shreveport, which is a whole other story. Mm -hmm. But give us a guide to what the best things to do, best traditions, best places to go for Mardi Gras would be. I, I would, I would tell you this. The best thing to do for Mardi Gras is not go to Baton Rouge or not go to Louisiana during Mardi Gras. I think I think it's That's become fair. one of those deals <laughs> where it's like it's it's just too much. You know, like it's not it's not fun in that aspect. Like there's so many other good reasons to go to the state of Louisiana for you know, for game weekends and whatnot. But like Mardi Gator Gras has become this thing where it's like Yeah, yeah, I mean but honestly, yeah, you go in crawfish season but not for Mardi Gras. It's one of those situations where you get to the point where you're like do I want to go to New York City on, you know, on what do you call it, on New Year's Eve? No, yeah. I really don't want to go there. Where I want to go is I want to go to a point where it's like not going to be as crowded. Or same thing, you don't want to go to Disney World when when spring break is out. So to me, you know, I, I think there's a couple of different ways to do Baton Rouge or do New Orleans. I'm telling you, it is not the that's not the week you want to do it as Mardi Gras to say the least. We'll get a petition to uh, – you can start the petition for people not to go to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. We'll, we'll see how that goes, we'll see how many signatures we can get. Um, feel pretty good about that, though. Um, Same thing on, about on a Jazz Festival, note. too, guys. Like jazz, jazz Festival, yeah. don't do it. Go to, go to New Orleans when it's, like, October on, like, a Tuesday where the weather's still pretty solid. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it's not a game weekend, and that way the, the streets don't smell. It's, uh, it ends up being a better Ugh. weekend for you. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, one more before we get you to Family Feud. Um, I, I'm very interested in, in your perspective on this because you've seen this up close. A lot of your friends are kind of involved in this whole thing. But give me your pitch as to why Booger deserves to replace Jason Witten on Monday Night Football. Uh, I mean, listen, Boog, I think, was in a tough spot. And, I, and this is me just saying it. I haven't talked to Boog about it. Um, like, I try to talk to Boog about golf and, like, non-work stuff. <laughs> um but I think Boog just showed he has that football knowledge. I think he was trying to find his way. You know, A, it was tough for him being out of the booth, right? Like, he wasn't in the booth. So, you know, what a lot of people don't know, there's so much, you know, nonverbal communication with, with people when you do a TV show. You're pointing at each other. You're like me and Doring every single morning. We Skype each other on the show because you got to be able to look at somebody when they're going to be finishing a sentence or if they're engaged in a client in, in a guest or if they're they want to add something to the conversation Boog had a hard time doing that from that card so i think when they put him in the in the actual booth he sounded better um then and also i think Boog is smart enough to learn how to play any role so if you're going to say hey listen you're right. going to be the analyst now not just kind of the quote-unquote reporter or whatever I think Boog can play that role. I, I don't know what direction they head. Um, all I know is I definitely do want to see Booger get that opportunity because I think him and Joe Tess have such a good rapport. Um, that would be good. And if not just Boog, I think Dan Orlovsky would be outside the box. I don't know if he's quote-unquote yep. ready for it compared yeah. to you know in people's mind. But I think if for people that actually watch Dan Orlovsky and the way he talks about football, the first thing, he's great. He is absolutely great. There'll be the Twitter jokes about how he went 0-16 for the Detroit Lions and who is this guy or whatever. But there's no doubt if you've caught him on Get Up or Sports Center or any of our shows, he he brings it, man. And and he takes he takes really easy points, makes them sound complex, 
but also without trying to like kind of talk down to you. And I think that's, right. that's the mark of what you need. And sometimes I didn't like some of the guys in the booth and Monday night football over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Cause I always kind of felt like, okay, well you just know way too much to me and I'm just so dumb. I don't need that. I, I want, I want to listen to my friends call a game. And I think Orlovsky would be perfect for that. See, I just wanted to bring Dennis Miller back. I mean, that was when we really peaked. That was the best. Um, that would be stranger than Gorbachev in a 1984 quarter <laughs> hat. You're like, what? That's so spot on. And like 2% of the audience would get the the joke. It'd be the greatest thing. And you're like, what hell rabbit hole did you oh just jump into? I don't know. Yeah, you really want to make sure the guy who's on MNF or MNF is just a subreddit somehow. So... Um, right. Anyway, so we're gonna get you to family. <laughs> we're gonna get you to Family Feud um, and get you out of here because I know you got a, a big game of Fortnite. Um, congrats again <laughs> on the show. But now it's time for the the Thank tough you. questions. It's not gonna be all celebrating today. Uh, we're gonna ask you ten questions. We're gonna start put two minutes on the clock. We're gonna probably go under or over that, and we're gonna we're gonna keep track of your points. So answer wisely. Are you ready? Go. Let's do it. Put it on the clock. All right. First question. What would your walkout song be? Um, I like Power by Kanye. That's good. Okay, that's good. Uh, best lyricist ever in rap? Best lyricist in, in rap. I'm going to go, I, I got to go Eminem. I know that's just that's such a white boy answer, but just lyrically, he was <laughs> he was just so tough to deal with. Nas might be number two in my list, believe it or not. Mm, I was going to say Vanilla Ice. Okay, third question. Better party, mm, St. Patrick's Day or Cinco de Mayo? Uh, I'm from San Antonio, so give me Cinco de Mayo all day of the week. That's that's 20 points right there. It's my birthday, so good answer. Uh, fourth question, best Damn. spring break destination? Um, golly, best spring break destination. I'm going to have to say South Padre Island in Texas. What? Like, that, that's where I, like, those are, that's where I went, and there's just, so many people that make bad decisions there and so even if you're not one of the ones making bad decisions the people watching there is great because you'll get all the people from like iowa and nebraska that come down they're like we're in texas we're close to mexico let's go not that that's an iowan accent uh, but it's still hilarious to watch them and just watch them get sunburned it's not even fun the first day but like by the third day when they're just tapped out it, it's fantastic that's beautiful. Uh, fifth question: What's the best Girl Scout cookie? And you have to answer it with an Iowan accent. Yeah, um, I was gonna say it's Tagalongs, don't you know? But then I think that's a that's a Minnesota accent. Like to hell with me, I'm not really good at the accent. Like you know, Connor, see, I'm, not, he's I'm not, gonna get a cease, yeah, I'm gonna get a cease and desist letter from the Iowan caucus or something like that for how bad the accent was. I'm like gonna be like you're banned from talking to Feinbaum. I'm gonna be banned from Iowa, which frankly is not gonna hurt. Like, <laughs> One of those, yeah, that's not that bad. That's not as bad as the Feinbaum thing. Okay, we got five more questions. What's bigger, Jordan Rogers' hair or Will Wade's dress shirts? Uh oh, those that suit game he had is a little bit of a struggle bus, is it not? It is a big time struggle bus. He looks like he is managing an enterprise rent a car. <laughs> but he's going to go pro in something else, so that's important. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, okay, favorite offseason workout or training program? I know Doring's got you on something. Um, honestly, one of these days I'm actually going to do an ab workout. So I think for me, it's just hitting golf balls. Like I, I can hit golf. I'll, I'll, I'll hit range balls. I don't think Doring knows how to do that. I like that. Okay, we got three more. What's a better day, Sunday at the Masters or Thursday of March Madness? 
Uh, I'm actually going to go Wednesday at the Masters. Throw you a little, little oh, yeah. there because Part Wednesday you can bring your phone on the premises. Everybody's chill and relaxed. Like Sunday, like I want, like you can't, that's the one thing about like going to a golf tournament. You can't see that much golf at an actual golf tournament. Like you right. want to go Wednesday where it's a practice round. You can take pictures and have fun and text people. Um, but Sunday you got to be like on your best behavior and that's no fun. No, that's fair. Okay. We got two, two more questions. What is your dream foursome for golf? Dream foursome. Um, I, you know, honestly, I would have said I would have thought Spurrier back in the day, but then we played golf, and it really, truly wasn't that fun together because he likes to play so oh my fast. Gosh. <laughs> um, so, believe it or not, I think Saban would make the list just because he's so competitive and he, he he's good but not great. So I'd love to see him be not great at something. You know what I'm saying? So, right. and I think I could beat him. So that would be the first time an LSU guy has beaten Nick Saban at Alabama in a long time. <laughs> there it is. So like I'm this. going with yeah. that. I'm going with Tiger just because how many times can you – I mean, how many times do you get an opportunity to play with Tiger? I mean, that's awesome, right? Um, mm. I think those two um, – Don't say Kid Rock. Uh, no, I'm not going to say Kid Guy Fieri. That's my, that's my last one. I'm going to say <laughs> yes. him just because I want, Perfect. I want him to get the hole-in-one and piss everybody off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. Last question. Most important question. We we talked about it last week on Twitter. When are we going to Europe? I'll call my aunt and uncle. They live in Athens. You just let me know the date. And that, that is your final question. Uh, I'm in on that. Athens is one of my favorite cities in the, in the world. Not only Athens, Georgia, but Athens, Greece. Like my first uh, real foray into Europe, I, I did like a month in Europe uh, a couple of years ago. Nice. And it was great. We started in Athens. Like, the Acropolis Museum is awesome. The food is awesome. The people, even though like 98% of them are unemployed and kind of hang out and just chill. Right. And I, I like that about them. Um, the people were great. So I'm in. Again, we need to – I always try to pitch this idea, and you heard it on SEC this morning, about how, um, you know, they're the next great – you know, we get all these punters from Australia. So why don't we just say there's going to be some great Greek uh, athletes coming out so that way we can take Saturday down south. We'll do the podcast from like Santorini or Mykonos. Um, yes, and we'll, we're all in. Yes. All right, that's perfect. Let me, let me add up these scores real quick. You got that twenty points. Oh, that was good. You got a total of sixty nine points, PB. That's Very good. Nice. 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 Very nice. Uh, Peter, before we let you go, I wanted to inform our listeners about the awesome thing that you're doing. Uh, you tweeted out this this idea um, to bring anyone that's looking for sports media experience to come on SEC this morning uh, as a guest. Tell us kind of what inspired you to do that and how people can go about that process. Yeah, I mean, I I just started thinking about it, about, you know, I mean, how hard it is in our industry right now. And I was thinking about the show, and it's been here for a year. And I'm like, you know, you get caught up in day-to-day things. I'm like, man, we're so freaking lucky. Like, if I didn't get the chance to wake up every single morning and talk about this, I'd severely be disappointed. And I was like, it's been a kind of a crazy road to get here. And, you know, I had to get breaks along the way. And I'm like, all right, well, that you know, I'm always still looking for breaks. But now I'm in a position to help create breaks for people. And so, you know, between Connor coming on the show, that's been great. And, and, and just younger guys that I think the next up and coming things, I want to be able to share that experience with people. So I just put it out on Twitter, man, that if you like SEC sports and you think you cover it pretty good and you're writing or blogging or podcasting about something like let's book you, let's have you on our show and build some tape and have interviews for you, you know, cause everything 
that I've done as far as media, the more reps you do, the better you get. And some of these guys just aren't right. getting that opportunity, and they just need to be heard by somebody or to have, hey, I've done this on SiriusXM or I've done this on ESPN. So um, it's great, man. As, as of earlier today, I think we had 100 different people reach out. Um, wow which was awesome. And so, I, in fact, I talked to SiriusXM and I said, I told him, I was like, hey, I want to create a segment called SEC Spotlight where we kind of spotlight the next up-and-comers. Um, now, that, I'm probably screwing myself because that's probably one of these people that we're putting on is the guy that's going to take my job or going to take my job sooner or later. Um, but, again, man, I, I just think, you know, it was a cool thing to pay forward about the opportunities and – Man, we're all we're all pretty lucky, and I, you know you hear so many people bitch and moan about, oh, I got to go travel here, I got to go travel there. I'm like, dude, there are seven thousand people that would kill for our jobs, and if you don't yeah. consider yourself lucky or put yourself in check, get the hell out of here because you don't deserve the gig anymore. So, um, yeah, it'll be Amen. fun, and hopefully, we find some new talent, and it'll be it'll be a good time for everybody. Great, great, That's awesome. awesome. That's really cool, and de- they're definitely going to be better than I am. So they're, I'll set the bar really low for whoever. Well, I mean, I, for you here's guys. the deal, Connor. I do appreciate you setting the bar so low for everyone else. And that's important <laughs> because you're confident enough in your abilities that you're not afraid to fail as badly and miserably yep. as you do every Tuesday morning. To where everyone so else bad. makes it seem better. So I, that to me, that's that's a true mark of a confident man, and that's 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 a mark in your uh, in, in your plus column, sir. You get it. You get it. Peter, appreciate you coming on. Um, I guess I'll, I'll chat in like 16 hours with you or something. Uh, something yeah. Very, very soon. Yeah. Uh, um, Doreen won't be wearing a shirt. I'll be wearing, I'll be wearing clothes. <laughs> so you'll, it'll be just a typical normal Tuesday morning on SEC this morning. Awesome. Awesome. Go, uh, go play some more Fortnite. Uh, take care of your daughter. Uh, all those things. Peter, appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. You'll get number four very soon. That's right. Thanks, Peter. Later, boys. Looking for it. Really appreciate Peter coming on. Um, he, like, to me, he does such a good job at asking the all over the place questions. We were yeah. just talking about this. Um, I, I actually like find myself looking at what he asked for uh, SEC this morning, like this is random question, and then I'll try and apply some of these to the podcast. So a little peel behind the onion there. Uh, but yeah, Peter's Peter's the man. We're He's one of my favorite to... people I think we've ever met or had on here, and it, and it is because of stuff like that. Because it's like it's and it's not just the off the wall stuff. It's like not sports related. He has questions that are. That are like, oh my gosh! Like I never thought about that. He's he's a genuinely talented person. It's a lot of fun to to follow along with that. So let us then ask the questions <laughs> that nobody ever thinks about. It's fourth and wrong. Fourth and wrong. So we got uh, we got some good ones on here, and I and so I added one of them um, from the social media stuff like that that was submitted by y'all, our audience. Thank you again for listening. Uh, we didn't even celebrate our one year anniversary. We didn't. I realized that. It just came and went. We were just yeah. head to the ground working. Just right, didn't man. even get a chance. Um, but anyway, so we have, uh, let's see, we've got the fourth and wrong questions. The first one, I, like I said, I put in there in the in the final Family Feud questions with PB. If you had a walk-up song or intro song, what would it be? That is from Will Martin on Twitter. I would probably go with Thunderstruck. I feel like we one. might have answered this before. Yeah, um, but I mean, we could revisit it. Yeah, always always good to revisit this because, you know, people change. That's yeah. what I would say. There you go. Uh, Thunderstruck would probably be mine. Just that intro is just it's the yeah. my favorite of all time. If that doesn't kind of get your blood pumping a little bit, I, I don't know what does. That'd be walk away. That's a long that's a long intro. I will say I had a walk up intro song in college. It was 
more of a joke. It was uh, Keyless Bossy. Like, I'm bossy. That was that was mine. How old are you? Five years older than you, Connor. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was, was it 2007 or something like that? So I don't think that would probably be mine nowadays, but um, that was mine back in the day. So I, I'll say that. What is the second question here is, what is the dumbest thing you have ever done athletically, and what was the aftermath? That is from the SEC logo on Twitter. See, that's... That's tough because when you say like dumb things, I mean, I could I could go on and on about like thinking that I could hit a pitch that was at my eyeballs, that was like 85 yeah. miles an hour that I just whiffed on. That's a little bit more of like kind of, you know, one play. Um, I would tend to just think the basic principle that like I thought I was going to be able to knock this quarterback out one time where in practice, I think I might have told this story before, um, our backup quarterback uh, just was on a scramble, and this is back in the day. This is pre-concussion, the movie, so yeah. um, you know, history is on my side. And I went to I went break down a tackle, and our backup quarterback just demolishes me, and it was, it was ugly. I mean, it was really ugly to the point where, like, senior year, like three years after the fact, when I saw him in the hallway, he'd be like, hey, you know, have you recovered yet? Like, how's right. it going? It was, like, I got depleted. So that, that's probably the, the worst, maybe the dumbest thing that I thought that I could maybe break down and tackle him, but then not realizing that he had a head of steam and I was I was done. Yeah. So mine would be it's my my last year of playing baseball when I was a junior, I got like really fast. I had like done all this offseason training, I was in the Bahamas, trained this sprint guy. And I came back, and that's part of the reason why Bossy was my walkout song. Like, I had just, I mean, a huge head. I was very confident in myself with this newfound speed. And it was but it was playing a game that I'd played my whole life, but at a different, like, different type of game. Like, I'd never stolen bases before. I wasn't fast. So now I was like, I'm going to steal every brace, dude. I'm dropping down a bunt every time I You're can. I, dude, it was like, was like, that's what I was going with. And I remember, and I was, like, batting in a three-hole and stuff like that. And I was, like, just dropping down bunts on third base line and, you know, beating out the throw. And I remember I stole third <laughs> with two outs. And I was out by, like, a mile. Um, and that was bad. I Like, that was pretty tough. But the worst ever, I had a, it was a, the last game I ever played in. I, uh, it was 33 degrees. We were at Clark Atlanta, and it was awful. And I snuck a hot hands in my glove because it was so cold. And I was we were turning two, and third baseman hit me right in the hands. Ball popped out of my mitt or my my glove, and the hot hands popped out of my glove. And my coach pulled me out of the game immediately, and was irate. And there was this, there was no like like these dugouts was at Clark Atlanta, which is a pretty terrible. It was like a rec league, just chain link fence dugouts. He ripped into me. It was awful. Um, okay, third question from Jay Blanche on Instagram: Hibachi or Mexican? This is a really interesting question. Five That's years what, ago, yeah. I would have said Mexican in a landslide, right. not even close. But I, I've done hibachi like a couple times in the last like two three months, and I think I might go with hibachi in this it's, one just because I, I I just think that like good hibachi is. And I'm not talking just like Benny Hanna or something like that. Yeah. I'm talking like go go to a local place and do it or, or something. But man, like you get all that food and it just it's a it's a mountain of food. And it's not that Mexican food is like lacking in in portions. But yeah. I think I'm gonna give the edge to Hibachi in this one and See, say Adult Connor wins out. So this guy who submitted this, I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but he. He submitted it three separate times on Instagram, and it was one of those questions. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I never thought about that." Like that's so. This is tough for me because, like you said, it's a very close. Hibachi does have one of my favorite scenes ever from The Office, 
when oh yeah, when they go to Christmas is awesome. <laughs> Asian Hooters, and they they go there, and Dwight <laughs> Dwight is like like two people down. He's like, how do you how do you kill a duck or how do you kill a goose? So on that part, you have you have hibachi. But on the other hand, man, so, chips and salsa, hands down, my favorite thing. It's my favorite snack. I love True. chips and salsa. So I'm gonna say Mexican, but I mean it's tough, man. Like, hibachi's great. So. Um, I have no problem with anybody saying Mexican. Yeah. No problem whatsoever. Thank you. Both I appreciate really that. Um, yeah. All right, fourth question here. What's the best date you've ever been on? That's from Tiger Demeeks, Demeeks, Demikes on Instagram. What's the best date you've ever been on? That first date you had with your wife was pretty awesome. Yeah, super date. My wife planned uh, a date for me in which uh, when we were seniors in college, she showed up at my, uh, my college house with a beer flower. What is a beer flower, you ask? My favorite beer, but with a little cardboard cutout of, or a paper cutout of a flower on top of it. So it's not actually a flower, it's just a bottle of beer. Yeah. And hands it to me and then says, all right, we're going to go, um, you know, I've got this this night planned. And so the night consisted of, uh, she had pulled pork that had been cooking all day in the crock pot, baked mac and cheese, homemade baked mac and cheese. We went bowling after, uh, we went and got some, we went and got some froyo. Yeah, that's a little basic. Whatever, I did it. So what? Judge me. Um, nice. And then after, the best part is that she says, she's like, "All right, I've got, I've got two movies for you. I've got one movie that I think you're gonna like, and then another that I'm not sure. I've got Moneyball. I'm like, perfect. Haven't seen it yet. It was, it was like a few months after it had come out, like on DVD. So we watched Moneyball, and then the other one, she's like, I'm not sure if you really like this movie or how this is gonna go. I don't want you to get mad. It's Space Jam. I'm like, yeah. All right, Oh, yeah, we're we're good. We're, we're gonna watch both, and we'll we'll be fine. So yeah, we we call it Super Date. We actually recreated it like two weekends ago. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's the best date I've ever been on. Um, I'll say the worst date I ever went on was at a Top Golf because the girl I went with from Bumble, uh, we got there and very pretty girl seemed super cool, and she like, like she gave her last name and it was like oh I'm not finding it in the system, and she gave a different last name, and I was like. And they found it. And I was like, why do you have two last names? What are you, like, divorced or something? And she was like, oh, yeah, I meant to tell you that. I got divorced, like, six weeks ago. And I was like, <laughs> strong start to the date. She also brought homemade jello shots to the date, um, which I know this will shock you. Did not impress me. Was not was not thrilled about that. Uh, I'd say the best, party favor? Yeah. Best date I ever went on. I don't even know if you consider it a date, but um, Allie, my fiance, who's just the absolute best, lived in Santa Monica, in California. And she lived on this street that I recognized from the O.J. Simpson murder documentaries. Oh, and yeah. we, like, I was like really big into those, and like still am. Um, and I remember her telling me this, and I was like, oh, you mean like two miles perpendicular to Bundy? Like, which is the street? And she was like, oh, okay, that's weird. But when I went out there to visit her for the first time, she picked me up from the airport, took me to In-N-Out Burger, drove towards her place, and she's like, we gotta make a quick pit stop real quick. And took me to the murder scene at, at the actual house because it was two miles no door to door from where she, from like where it all happened. And I was like, it was like, it was, that sounds weird to people or whatever, but it was like pretty cool. <laughs> it's like, like the, it's terrible for me to say, but it was, it was cool that like she knew that's like kind of how we had started like this whole weird conversation that how we became, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and then dating and then, you know, fell in love on that stuff. And so she took me there, which was, I don't know if we were trespassing. Anyway, last question. I love how you Connor. threw. I love how you threw the in and out thing in there. Just like just, you're like, just in case this this thing yeah. seems really really weird, 
<laughs> I went to In and Out and it was delicious. And, and I so, and yeah. I ate like a bunch of double doubles. And we and I meant to propose to her at a murder scene, but I didn't. So you know that was my own fault. <laughs> um, all right, last question. So this is uh, from Tennessee Goat Eleven on Instagram. What is a good motto for motivation that you give to yourself? The motto that I live by. This Uh-oh. is trademark uh, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. No, um, <laughs> I, I will one day look to get it, this trademarked. Laziness cripples success. That's good. That's all you need to know. That's all you I need like to know. That. that is original. That is an OG thought. Oh, Should so it's your that? own motto. It's my own. Yeah, it's my own motto. <laughs> of course yeah. it is. Uh, okay, mine is. This is so. I used to say this before I went on stage, which was because um, I used to get nervous. But like, whenever I got on stage before doing stand up, as soon as I got on stage, I just felt all that would go away, and I felt really good and, and natural and where I should be. But I remember getting like really nervous for like one of my first big shows. My buddy Colin Kane, who travels around, uh, you know, doing these tours Ashley and stuff, was like, "This is what you do. This is what I do." Like this, that's in just like a mantra that I would say to myself, like right before I go on. It always gave me like this calm feeling, just like you know, this is what I do. That and after last year, dude, what Kanye said on that, I forgot what channel it was or what show he was on being interviewed, and he said, "My life's dope, and I do dope blank." Just a good little motto to remember yourself, you know. Life's been pretty great so far. Anyway, that is Fourth and Wrong this week. Uh, Connor, take us away to It Might Mean Too Much with our good friend Ed Orgeron. Yeah, we're going to bring in our good friend, Edward. Um, because this It Might Mean Too Much is, I mean, you, we probably said and assumed something like this, but to hear a player come on and actually say it really kind of drives it home. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. this. <laughs> at, yeah, at the Combine, Greedy Williams was asked about um, Ed Orgeron's he was asked about his monster consumption, the energy drink, and he actually then transitioned his answer into talking about what he did one time with a can of Red Bull, which was Greedy Williams walked in on Coach O in a, in a meeting, and apparently Coach O decided, you know what, I need to take this entire can of Red Bull, full, like not unopened can of Red yeah. Bull, and smash it against his chest. And apparently when he did it, the pop, like the, the top like popped off. Um, yeah. I need video of that now. Right now, um, because that, that to me, that, that'd be the, the, the video I would watch. You talk about trying to find ways to get motivated. That's what I'd watch right. every single morning. Yeah, that's my Ed Reed. Like, I'm hurt, dog. Like, that, that is, <laughs> I just, I, when he said it, like, I was so, like, taken aback. Because at first I was like, wait, he hit it against his chest? Like, Coach O's not doing this, like, against his head? I was, I was shocked. But, like, impressed, man. Like, good for Coach O. He gets it. He gets it. Coach, you got any thoughts about that? Or? Hey, man, let me tell you something. We're going to hit Mardi Gras right now. I smashed a king cake, baby, across my forehead last week. He, Coach, man, that is, he's the best. I love Coach O. We're going to get to, uh, we'll get to five-star reviews uh, next week. A reminder, if you have not sent us a five-star review, or if you just want to make another uh, iTunes username and get another yeah. one, that's, that's cool. We're not going to stop you from doing that. At all. Um, and then also, just on a different note, a quick shout-out to our guy. Luke Del Rio. This is awesome, man. Congrats. Very, very happy. Luke Del Rio, in case you missed it, um, he announced his next step in his career. Uh, he's going to be coaching uh, as an assistant for the Stan- the Santa Margarita Catholic High School team, which I don't know if you knew this, but Kristen Cavallari went there before she went to Laguna Beach. So Sadly, I did know that, Connor. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome, man. Congrats to Luke, man. He's one of our favorite favorite people. Um, he, he will still reach out to me every once in a while and be like, more, more pics of queso, please. Um, so no, we're happy for you, Luke. That's awesome. Congratulations. 
We love Luke. We wish him all the best. We know that very soon we're going to be interviewing him when he's like an NFL head coach. Right. He's going to be our inside (laughs) guy for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, Make sure that you are watching Facebook Live. Tuesdays. 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 Oh. Been doing it on Tuesdays. Been trying to do, I'm trying to pull a Connor, taking your advice and and watching The Bachelor with uh, my fiance because she, you know, had to watch football for so long. So there you go. Wow. Act like she's pulling your finger. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's come on. We're we're in the final three right now. You know, Pulling it's, it's serious time. I mean, you know, she's not forcing you to watch that show. No, you're watching it by no, yourself. But it'll be on Tuesdays, though, regardless. Yeah. Okay. Um, you totally convinced me that you're not a big fan. Nothing wrong with that. Just don't tweet it out like Barrett Salee. Anyways, for real. Follow us on Instagram at SDS. Follow us on Twitter at SDS as well uh, at the SDS pod at C Marler SDS at C J O'Gara. Thank you, Peter Burns, for coming on. Coach Joe, um, you gonna go crush a Red Bull on your chest, or do you, do you want to just y'all make sure you come out here and listen to SDA podcast? It gives you wings. And on a final note, DK Metcalf, I want you I want arm wrestle next week. It might need too much. <laughs> Talk to you next week. <laughs>